the future is so incredibly bright in this space and, and so incredibly fruitful that it, there's just lots of opportunity and, and customers are a part of that and will be an integral part of that uh, evolution to the point, like I said, where your electric car is going to be used to power your your house at night, but when you're not using it, maybe it's being used. Maybe we're selling your you're selling your power to your neighbor or or whatnot. As a utility, we want to be there to help support that. Welcome to the Flux Capacitor, a podcast about the future of electricity. I'm Francis Bradley of the Canadian Electricity Association. This is episode 050, number 50 of the Flux Capacitor. When I launched this podcast 50 episodes and close to three years ago, I, I wanted to share with the listener the types of conversations that were already taking place within the electricity sector about the future of the business of electricity and what the future transformations will mean for electricity companies, regulators, society, and customers. These were the sorts of conversations I was often having at the margins of meetings and conferences with industry leaders, government representatives, regulators, stakeholders, and industry partners. I wanted the listener to hear what we've been discussing over coffee, during a taxi ride, over dinner, or stuck in an airport departure lounge. Once again, this podcast was not recorded face-to-face, but using Zoom. For this 50th podcast, I'm joined by Bryce Conrad of Hydro Ottawa, the company that ensures the lights stay on in our office. Hydro Ottawa is more than just a local distribution company. It has a number of other lines of business, including as a cross-border electricity generator. Bryce and I talk about the company's sustainability practices, its recent designation as a sustainable electricity company, the 11th in Canada, how sustainability helps in recruiting top talent, and customer centricity. We also talk about climate change, net zero targets, and the impacts of extreme weather, something Ottawa has seen a lot of recently, including floods and tornadoes. We close the conversation with some book banter and Bryce's two recommendations to add to the Flux Capacitor Book Club. Here is my conversation with Bryce, recorded in early December 2021. Bryce, this is uh, your first time joining me on the Flux Capacitor. Uh, welcome. Bringing you in today to uh, discuss, well, Hydro Ottawa uh, is a recent recipient of uh, sustainable electricity designation. And, and there's a, you know, a bunch of issues that are related to that as well. But uh, I thought maybe as a starting point, uh, we could talk just a little bit about, for the listener, a little bit about Hydro Ottawa. Of course, I know Hydro Ottawa well. Uh, you're the company that makes sure the lights stay on at our offices, but uh, it's a it isn't it is more than simply a distribution company in the nation's capital. You got a lot going on at Hydro uh, Hydro Ottawa. Can you give the listener a bit of a bit of a sense of what the company's all about? Sure. Yeah. No. Appreciate it, friends. And and obviously, uh, we're happy that you guys continue to pay your bills on the time of day. <laughs> you know, the most important thing, obviously. Uh, so look, Hydro Ottawa. Um, we are the you know the local distribution company to the nation's capital, uh, three hundred forty-five thousand customers, a um, little over eleven hundred square eleven hundred uh, square kilometers of uh, service territory, ranging from kind of Stittsville on the west end to, to Castleman on the east end and south to. Uh, <clears throat> 
you know, I guess what, almost to Greeley. Um, mm-hmm. So big, big service territory, much bigger than people actually appreciate. Right. Um, but that's just the distribution company. That's the wires and poles. We also have, um, we're the largest municipally owned generator of green energy in Canada. So um, we have okay. 100 megawatts of clean, green, renewable energy. Um, much of it's sort of sitting right behind Parliament Hill at Shawjir Falls, but we also have uh, six, six generating stations in there five in Eastern Ontario, mm-hmm. uh, down to down right down through to Kingston, again in Aquay. And then uh, what, what very few people know is we actually own four big generating assets in upstate New York. So we're actually, uh, we're not only a generating, uh, we're not only a national, you know, obviously the, uh, do business in Canada, but we're, uh, we're an international company, which we're quite proud of. So that's our generating and company. And then, um, and then we also have an energy services company, which is called Invari, um, right. yeah. which is meant to be a, um, you know, particularly as people move towards, you know, sustainable energy and you know, sustainability is writ large as a matter of doing business. Mm-hmm. Uh, Invari is there to help um, with all sorts of those problems. I mean, the whole point is we want them to have, um, um, you know, to be the point person for, you know, whether it be electric vehicles, um, mm-hmm. Streetlight conversion, building energy retrofits, building energy, you know, automation, um, all the things that make your, you know, again, specifically in the environmental side and sustainability side to promote that. So it's one thing to have, it's one thing to say we're all about sustainability, but it's another thing to have a company that's dedicated to it. So, yeah, pull, pull up, if I could, a couple of those threads that the, the, the... Uh, assets that you have in the U.S. How did, how did that come about? Uh, I, I don't know of other uh, municipally owned distribution companies in Canada that own generation assets in in, uh, in the United States. Yeah, in uh, 2016, we uh, we entered into and, um, and were successful in acquiring 10 generating stations from uh, from Fortis. Uh, Fortis was selling okay. the assets, and so there were. So there were six in six in Ontario and four in upstate New York. So we bought the we bought the portfolio. Um, made a lot of sense at the time. We obviously, expanded our footprint, diversified the geography that we operate in. Um, you know, no sooner had we bought it than uh, than the uh, uh, President Trump decided that he was uh, all in favor of coal. Well, first of all, they elected President Trump, and then he decided mm-hmm. that he was going to double down on coal. So uh, right. Push the pricing, push the pricing down quite a bit. So, um, you know, the, we we still own the assets. They're still doing. They're, they're working well for us. But, mm-hmm. uh, um, but we bought them for a long term perspective. You know, we thought eventually the world's going to find a, put themselves on a bit of a carbon diet, and these you know run of river renewable assets are are fantastic. And we figured if if anybody in the U.S. was going to lead on that, it was going to be, you know, it was going to be California, going to be New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, sort of where you have, I, I won't, I won't call them more progressive uh, perspectives, but uh, <laughs> certainly more akin to what we are looking for. So, yeah. So do they, they, do they sell uh, into the like the New York Power Authority's pool, or is it contracted, or how's it? And I'm just, just interested how that would work. Yeah. No. So they are, uh, they are merchant pricing. So. Yeah. Uh, you're getting you're getting the, the the daily spot rates um 
and the power is sold into the New York ISO, which, you know, as you know, as I tell everybody, I, <clears throat> I sell the power into Manhattan, mm-hmm. but I, I bring the cash home. So, <laughs> so how complex is it to um, uh, kind of orchestrate all of these different parts with the Envari and your generation company and the distribution company? Um, how do they, how do they all come together and mesh together? Um. Yeah, I mean, look, I've got a great team, obviously. Um, uh, my executive team is fantastic. So I've got, you know, dedicated individuals who, you know, obviously we have uh, people that run the, 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 the regulated company. We have other people that wor- worry about Envari and, and, and somebody else that worries about, about the generating assets. But, um, you know, they're all under, I, I tell people on a routine basis, and we're not exceptional in this circumstance. I mean, we have... I think we have 36 companies under under the Hydro Ottawa Holdings Inc. brand at the moment. Um, so, you know, you can't run 36 companies. So I run one company. You know, I run Hydro Ottawa Holding, and and you know, we're all on the same page. We have a strategic direction that's blessed by the board that gives us a five-year kind of direction as to which way we want to go and what we want to be doing. So. You know, whether you're in generating, whether you're in Envari, whether you're sort of stringing pulls and wires, we're all staying from the same playbook because we've all agreed to the same playbook because it's all the, it, it's the direction that, that, that guides our company. So mm-hmm. uh, it's not as complicated as you think. I mean, there are times when we were, <clears throat> when we were buying those New York assets. I know some of my staff were getting uh, way too familiar with uh, Obamacare <laughs> and the nuances <laughs> of Obamacare, but uh um, by and large, um, you know, I, I won't say these things are set it and forget it, but, uh, you know, these runner river assets are, they're pretty, um, they're pretty sufficient. So, you know, it's, we don't, we, you know, we always try to optimize them and work to do what we can, but mm-hmm. uh, I won't say they're on autopilot, but they do, uh, they, you know, they do work for us. So, right. So let me, let's, let's uh, step into, into the topic of sustainability. How, how much has that changed the way uh, the company's been operating, say over the past decade? This, the 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 move to greater uh, efforts on sustainability, and, and really, you know, recently the acceleration of those efforts. Yeah. So, I mean, it's the decade's the right number, at least from my perspective, because I've been in the job for ten years. Um, mm-hmm. So when I came on board, not knowing. And honestly, not knowing a damn thing about the hydro business, I, I, I tell the story that you know when they reached out to me originally, I thought Hydro Ottawa was the water company. So it tells you what I knew about <laughs> tells you what I knew about electricity. <laughs> so um, anyway, uh, look, when I came on board, the the board was very determined to grow the company, and um, they they saw opportunities, and you know they were. I won't say early adopters, but they saw kind of renewables and, and particularly Runner River Hydro as being, you know, a core, a core asset that we had at the time uh, and that we could continue to build on. Um, and we had a balance sheet that allowed us to go out and, you know, make some acquisitions. So we, you know, since in 10 years, we've, well, in seven years, actually, we increased our renewable amount of renewables by over 500%, which is pretty significant. We're up to 100, 130 megs now. Yeah. Um, 
but that's just part of it. You know, I mean, we've, we've taken that kind of sustainability theme and we've driven it throughout the company and, and, you know, trying to do everything we possibly can to support our shareholders well in terms of their, in a, their, their sustainability efforts. So, you know, what have we done? We've, I think we have, you know, upwards of 55% of our customer base that's on, you know, paperless billing, for instance, which oh, is okay. the highest, adoption, highest adoption rate, and certainly in Ontario, but probably, uh, probably in North America. I mean, unless you start charging people for paperless billing, you're, it's, you're, you're, you're not going to get much higher than that, but yeah, wow. that's a credit too. That's a credit to the customer base, but um you know, four years ago, we partnered with the city of Ottawa to sort of convert the street lights from you know, high pressure sodium to mm -hmm. LEDs. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with a view that we would pay ourselves back with the savings. And, you know, you saw the city's energy bill drop from you know, almost $6 million a year just on, just because of that alone. So the payback period was actually faster than it otherwise, than we'd otherwise predicted. And we were, mm -hmm. so, I mean, that's another example of, uh, just some pretty impressive stuff. Um, I was at an event the other day where the city took delivery of the first four electric street or electric uh, city buses. So, oh yeah, yeah. Um, so that's pretty exciting. I mean, Ottawa's a big city, and you know, if you've been down Slater Street in the winter, you see these. You used to see this like chain of buses. Yep, absolutely. As as you could see almost. Yep. Um, and the, you know, the only thing that they had going was was, you know, consistently spitting out diesel yep. or, you know, effluent. So, um, so these electric buses are, are, are fantastic. And obviously we have plans to convert the entire fleet uh, with working with OC Transport. So, mm -hmm. um, so another example, and, and, and there are more and more and more of them. Um, another one that we're particularly proud of is again, through, through the company, we're part of a, um, you know, we worked with a developer at the Zibi, which is, a community between Ottawa and Quebec, between Ontario and Quebec. It's literally on the island. Yeah. And so rather than simply string a wire to, to Zibi, we, we partnered with a developer and, 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 um, and created a, a zero emission district energy system, which mm -hmm. is using effluent from uh, Kruger uh, paper plant on the other side of the river, right. as well as Ottawa river. So, you know, pretty innovative. It's the first of its kind in, in Canada. Um, mm -hmm. It's operating, it's working, um, working better than we expected it to work, to be honest with you. And it's, it's um, so those are all kind of different things that we've done on the sustainability part, but it's just, a, it's part and parcel of who we are as a company now. It's not, it's mm -hmm. not a, yeah, I remember at one point in time when I, when I first joined the company, <clears throat> the government of Ontario used to pay us to sort of deliver conservation projects. Oh yeah. Yep. Which was, which was nice, but you know, conservation and sustainability are part of our DNA. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's nice to get paid to do these sorts of things, but quite frankly, we don't need to get paid to do these sorts of things. That's mm -hmm. what we do. So. Mm -hmm. you, you mentioned that it's been, uh, it's been uh, 10 years that you've been at hydro always interested in people's journeys uh it's something that i've been asking people that come on the podcast what, what was your journey when 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 bryce was a young lad in the schoolyard was he dreaming of uh was he dreaming of of running hydro ottawa one day but what what, what brought you to this uh, to this point 10 years ago what was the what was that journey like uh yeah so 
I mean, you've, you've been in the industry a long time, Francis, and, 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 and you know, so if you've, if you've, if you've been in the electricity industry for 10 years, you're still considered like a rookie. <laughs> so like you, you, you know, 99% of, I say 99, 90% of my, my peers have been in the industry all their lives, right? It's not yeah. unusual for people to start in the company and work their way up. In fact, it's quite, it's quite amazing how, uh, how sticky this industry actually is in terms mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, attraction and retention. Um, so I am, I'm a bit of an outlier in that regard. So, you know, when I, you know, I was working in the government, worked for the federal government. I would, I had some amazing jobs and, and, uh, I spent 15 years in the public service of Canada, worked mm-hmm. my way up to, um, to being an assistant deputy minister. Um, so I was an ADM in 2000. It made me ADM in 2008. I think <laughs> when the world fell apart, um, they, in 2008, they, in every sort of G20 country became, you know, born again, Keynesian economists and throwing money at infrastructure and stuff like that. The government canned us off it to give me the credit card for for the infrastructure funds at that time, point in time. So uh, as I tell everybody, if you didn't get your driveway paved in 2008, 2011, it's not going to get done. But uh, <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, I ran the, uh, infra- the infrastructure stimulus funds and sort of all the economic, a lot of big economic action funds and had a great time. Uh, it was an amazing experience. Uh, <laughs> learned a lot, dealt with a lot of really cool people, saw up close some of the, how decision making gets made. Um, at the highest level, the very, very highest level. Right. Um, and then out of nowhere, you know, the, the headhunter called and, you know, I, I had a young family at the time and, and my answer to all these headhunters was always the same, which was no, not <laughs> interested. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one was persistent. Um, called me back again. And, and he, um, he, he said, um, there's a gentleman named Ron Robertson, so I should give Ron full credit. But Ron said, uh, look, let me just send you this executive briefing and you read it over the weekend. And if you're in, I'll call you back on Monday. If the answer still no, then no, it is. And the executive briefing, I took it up to my cottage and I was reading it on the weekend, having a beer. And um, there was this great line in there about Hydro Ottawa. And it was the biggest risk facing Hydro Ottawa was missing an opportunity to grow. Mm. Something, something along those lines. But and I thought to myself, well, that's, that's kind of amazing. It's not about keeping the lights on. It's not about this or that or the other thing. It's about missing an opportunity to actually grow this company, which I thought mm. was kind of cool. So, yeah, I put my name forward thinking, surely to God, there's somebody that knows more about this business than I do. And lo and behold, a few months later, no one was more surprised when they said, you know, we think you might be the guy. So fast forward 10 years, here I am. Long wow. story. But it was, it's been fun. It's been an incredible journey. And Hydro Auto is an incredible company. And mm-hmm. I still don't know the difference between a megawatt and a terawatt and all that shit but stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's okay. I've got people that do. So yeah. that's all that counts. You know, the last meeting, uh, face-to-face meeting I had before the world went into lockdown back in March 2020 was uh, actually with you. Um, and at, the new building. It, at the new building, exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I thought maybe we'd touch on that because it's, it's a pretty impressive, uh, pretty impressive uh, facility that you've got there. 
that was part and parcel of, of your sustainability plan as well, right? That putting all of the operations, uh, centralizing uh, uh, the, the facility there and building that sustainable, a far more sustainable facility than the one you were in before, right? Oh, uh, yeah, it was, that was huge. I mean, that's been a real game changer. And that was saying the fact that, you know, as you said, no sooner did we have it built than we got hit by a pandemic. But yeah, um, yeah when, you know, not unlike a lot of municipalities in, in Ontario, uh, you know, Hydro Ottawa is the, the result of the, the amalgamation efforts at the turn of, I guess, in 2000. Um, so, you know, effectively, we inherited the Gloucester Hydro, the Ottawa Hydro, the Nepean the, the Hydro, Canada Hydro. Um, so we, inherit, we brought all those companies together, and, and quite frankly, we brought their real estate together. And the real estate never made a whole lot of sense because it was, it was quite frankly, in all the wrong places. Um, and as you said, just you know, some of them, like the, our headquarters was... I remember the first time I saw it, you know, it was just <laughs> it was depressing. Right? It was like seven years old and, and I knew damn well every dollar I spent on the building in terms of upkeep and maintenance was a wasted dollar. And right. So, you know, again, early on in my tenure, the board, you know, with the board support, we made the decision to, um, to sort of finally do something about our real estate holdings. And we launched a, a facilities renewal plan. Uh, where we built, or we consolidated and built two, two and a half, two, two full new sort of activity centers plus a brand new headquarters. Um, and yeah, like their state of the art, um, mm -hmm. you know, the one, the one operation center, which is sort of off the highway is effectively uh, attached to solar panels, effectively off grid is, you know, it's, it generates as, as much power as it uses. So it's right. pretty good. And then our headquarters, you know, headquarters and the other operations center, I think we're at about 30% um, offset. So mm -hmm. um, again, we had, we had the land, so we might as well, you know, if Hydro Ottawa can't sort of lead by example and do the right thing when given an opportunity to do the right thing, then shame on us. So, yeah. um, so we did that, but it, it's more than that. Like the buildings were built, they're purpose built for us. They're both lead gold. Um, right. All gold. We have, you know, water recycling. Um, you know, we use 55% less water than we used to use. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the drought, you know, and <laughs> it always amazes me that, you know, you see these companies building these, these, these beautiful new kind of Taj Mahals, and then they have that bright green grass out front that gets mowed three times a week. And, <laughs> Yep. Watered, every, watered every 13 minutes kind of thing. And, and again, just from a sustainability perspective, we said that's not what we want. We want yeah. natural plantings. We want sort of drought-resistant uh, landscaping. So we've got lots of trees. We've got, um, again, drought-resistant plants. Um, so there's no, I mean, you know, some people drive by and go, it's covered in weeds. I say it's, it's green. It's good. It looks mm -hmm. good to me. Um, and it, you know, it doesn't require a whole lot of effort or time. Um, but more than that, we also built the, we built the facilities so that our employees could, could see the benefit, right? Like if you saw our old places, it was like walking in a dungeon, you know, you yeah. walk around the corner and there'd be another set of cubicles. Well here, you know, everyone has access to sort of, you know, daylight, um, mm -hmm. 
it's it's open concept, which is exactly what you didn't want in the middle of a pandemic, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah. Lots of collaboration spaces. So, you know, every employee's got a, you know, has a seat in their, you know, their office, but there's also them somewhere in the building in the collaboration space. So we wanted to, you know, I'm not saying it's Facebook or Apple, but we wanted to give lots of opportunity for, I think what Steve Jobs used to do collaborative collisions, right? Where people right. bump into each other yeah. and collaborate. Yeah. We wanted yeah. to do the same thing. So, um, so the good news is, it made it made sense. The facilities made sense from an environmental perspective. They made sense from a business perspective. We're saving about four million dollars annually. Um, hmm. Where these, you know, just just because of where the facilities are. Um, so it's it's been a huge success. Again, notwithstanding the fact that you know we're not necessarily all in the office at the moment, but um, it's good. We're really happy. You, you mentioned that it was lead uh, lead gold uh, certified. We, we kind of think in terms of the sustainable electricity designation that we do through the association as the same sort of certification as well. So, so I thought maybe uh, use that to, to jump to the, that sustainable electricity designation that Hydro Ottawa received just this past uh, November 24th, uh, 11th company in Canada uh, to achieve the designation, only the third now in Ontario. Can you tell a little tell us a little bit about what prompted you to begin that that process and, and go down that path of of essentially having a designation that, that certifies that the sustainable practices uh, of the company? Well, again, like you, you know, and I'm sure I'm not saying anything that my peers wouldn't echo, but sustainability is built into the DNA of the company. So yeah. Um, you know, when we saw the opportunity to sort of pursue the designation, um, it became a kind of a whole of company effort to get it. Um, it, it was, it was a bit of a North star for us. Uh, mm-hmm. We wanted to, we wanted that achievement. We wanted to be able to say, we've got it. And we look at what we're doing. And, and part of it is, you know, a, we wanted to lead by example. Like right. How do I tell my shareholder or how do I, tell my clients that, you know, they, they need to do a better job from a sustainability perspective when, when we're not. So this gives us that ability to stand up and speak from a position of relative strength. The, the part that I don't think people truly understand right now, Francis, is, is, you know, particularly in this environment where you're, you're in a war for talent. Um, um, you know, people are looking, they don't, they don't just, and good people don't have one job offer. They've got multiple job offers and they're mm-hmm. weighing competing offers. And, you know, particularly the younger generation, you know, at some point I'll, I'll no longer be considered part of the younger generation, which will be a sad day, but um, <laughs> that generation is looking for impact. They're looking for impact with what, what the, their, their work will, what impact their work will have. And, Right. What impact the company that they work for will have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for us, it's actually been a bit of a comparative advantage to say, look, this is our, you know, we lead by example. We're a sustainable company. Here's all the things that we're doing. And mm. um, it allows us, it's, it, it allows us to recruit um, and compete for with, you know, with these companies that we otherwise may or not be, may or may not be able to compete with. We can say, well, and it's important for them. You know, we, mm. When we when we when we talk to the people that we hire, um, they tell us literally, uh, you know, is compensation important? Sure. Uh, is it the most important thing? Ch- chances are, no, it's not. Um, 
you know, it's always going to be top three, top five, but right. know, for us, we've done the, the interviews that show people want to work for a company that shares their values mm-hmm. um, and sustainability is obviously one of them, but they also want to work for a company that makes a difference. So, right. you know, I know we're not unique in this instance, but we, you know, as Hydro Ottawa, we do a lot of giving back. We do a lot of charity work. We do a lot of support for nonprofits. This morning I was at the, you know, the big Christmas cheer breakfast yesterday morning. I, you know, the company donated $25,000 to the, uh, the Ottawa food bank. Mm-hmm. Um, those things, uh, those things are critically important. They're not just things that you do anymore because you're nice people. They're, they're critically important and they're part of your, part of your recruitment and your retention efforts now and uh, as is sustainability. So bringing it back to the CEA designation, you know, it was, it was a, a process that marshaled the efforts of the company. And, mm-hmm. uh, and as I said, it was the North star that guided our, our operations and our, in our, in our work for the past few years. And, and the board, um, you know, the board had line of sight to it and said, yeah, we want this, like, go get it, make right. it happen. So, Interesting. I, I, I hadn't heard anybody make a specific explicit reference. There's been implicit references, but an explicit reference to the sustainability uh, and, and you know, the, the recognition of that through designation and talent uh, and attracting talent. That's, that's, it makes a lot of sense when you say it. I just haven't heard anybody say it uh, previously. So. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, you, you know, CEA has got young staff. Go ask them. I tell yeah. you, I guarantee you, the day you stop being relevant or the day you stop, let's just say that your problem, uh, you're not going to have the same problem that the fossil fuel industry is going to have in terms of retaining, yeah. you know, their, their, the fossil fuel association. Not that there is one, but, you know, the pipelines are. Yeah. Yeah, no, you know, you make a good point. I, I do know that for some of our our, our young and, and newer staff, that the fact that that you know Canada is on a, on a like a, a net zero twenty fifty path, and we're, we're looking at uh, you know decarbonization of this, it it is something that does draw them to the sector overall. Yeah. yeah. Are there other areas, specific areas in, in the sustainability activities of Hydro Ottawa that? that you're you know you really see the company excelling in or that you're really particularly proud of what are the what are the sorts of things that you know if you were bragging to to one of your colleagues at a at a at a cea reception about the practices of hydro ottawa what are the ones that you'd be be pointing your finger at yeah so i mean i'd talk probably about three um three things one uh, you know obviously we're just we're we're We've made the investments and we've grown our renewable uh, fleet um, yeah. demonstrably and uh, significantly, and um, and we're 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 very proud of that. Uh, you know, it was a business decision that we took in 2011 to do this, and um, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm showing my age now, but you know, there used to be a show called the A team and, and the guy mm-hmm. used to say, I love it when a plan comes together. Well, that, yep. Yep. that was the plan coming together for us, right? We knew we wanted to do this, this is where we wanted to be. And it's been uh, of huge success to us both financially and from a sustainability perspective, it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. So we're thrilled with that. Um, you know, we've got a really great partnership with the city of Ottawa and, and some of the, the, municipal parts of the municipality um you know again i use the example of of the street lights which 
you know, to go from what we used to have to what we have today, it's just night and day. And, and, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, to hear the mayor stand up and take credit for it, which is great because he should, um, is really, is really something that we're quite proud of and we want to see more of it. So as I said, you know, we, you're seeing different municipalities across Canada step up and try to electrify, you know, some of their transit fleets, you know, two, five, six, ten vehicles, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think Ottawa is the only one that's committed to electrifying the entire fleet. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, my conversation with, with the, with the general manager at the time was, look, you take care of your buses. I'll take care of everything up to and including the extension cord. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a true partnership. And we're, we're, we're thrilled with that. And, and again, it's, you know, when you're out there trying to hire and recruit young engineers to come to your company, these are the kind of things that they want to do. They want to yeah. be part of so yeah, so we're pretty happy with that, and <clears throat> that's a, another point of, of pride for us. And last but not least, I, I go back to my my the Zibi example. You know, n- <laughs> normally to get a developer in the same room um, as a utility, uh, you literally need a judge and lawyers, right? Because it's usually <laughs> confrontational, right? Um, and here we have an example of you know a pretty progressive developer with you know Dream Properties, Thea Partners coming together with Hydro Ottawa to sort of do something that's never been done before in Canada and, and to build this kind of district energy heating plant that, that is, that has no carbon. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of a, you know, here it is in the waterfront in between Gatineau and Ottawa uh, for everybody to see. Um, mm-hmm. And we took a bit of a risk because Lord knows, you know, we know, we know energy, we know electricity, but you know, what do we know about heating and cooling plants? Right. But here's an opportunity to come together in a partnership that made sense. And, uh, and to watch that grow from what it was to what it is today and to what it will be in 10, 10 years when it, when it's fully built up is, is, is fantastic. And last but not least, you know, it's the little things as well. Right. So um, we've got a new station coming online, Cambrian station, which is coming online. It's, uh, 2022. It's out mm-hmm. in the, the South end. And, and there's very little to be said that's exciting about a new substation. I'll just start in there other than it costs a lot of money. Um, but, you know, we bought a piece of land and uh, to build this substation, because obviously, you know, location is kind of key for us. And, you know, as we're sitting there, sitting back going, well, <laughs> okay, we got, we got a pretty big chunk of land here. What are we going to do with it? Um, you know, we partnered with, uh, you know, the Rio Valley Conservation Authority and the Canadian Wildlife Federation to create, you know, I think the largest pollinator meadow in Canada for, oh. for uh, butterflies, I guess. But, um, you know, it's, you know, it's 24 acres. We needed five acres. So we've got 19 acres devoted to, to all these other sorts of things, which again, it's, it's the little things. It doesn't cost us, it doesn't cost us much at all, but it, it makes a huge difference to our community and, and you know, I'm never going to brag about being friendly to the butterflies to any of my colleagues, but it's nice. My kids like it. <laughs> One of the uh, the things that I've noticed over over the last uh, several years has been the customer. I guess the term that's often used is customer centric. Uh, I, I know uh, Hydro Auto has been recognized, uh, you know, CS Week and 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 uh, in other forums uh, for a lot of your practices uh, in in sort of in the customer space. Is there a role that customers will be playing 
uh, in um, the sustainability space? Are, are they going to be key to, to achieving sustainability goals over time for, for Hydro Ottawa? Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, the customer centricity is the, uh, you know, when I arrived at the company 10 years ago, we had four key areas of focus, you know, financial strength, customer service, corporate outreach, and, um, and organizational effectiveness. And, and they're kind of four equally weighted categories. And, mm-hmm. and I kind of took that model and said, let's move the customer to the middle. Um, so if we can get the customer equation right, we'll get the financial side right. We'll get the organizational effectiveness right. Okay. And we'll yeah. get the corporate outreach part right. So, so we focused heavily, and I think we were probably one of the first utilities in Canada actually to put in place a chief customer officer. Hmm. Um, so there are things that we've done, and it's cost us money, um, but we think it's the right thing to have done. You know, we we're early adopters of the uh, of the apps and giving people that sort of two way interaction with the utility. Um, and we saw it during the tornadoes, um, just sort of how impactful that level of communication and authenticity, authentic communication between the customer and the utility actually became because it was, it was everything. It got us through the whole process. So mm-hmm. um, short answer is, yeah, like as customers move to, you know, distributed energy resources, um, we want to be there with them to help provide that. We want to be supporters of it. We don't want to, you know, I know DERs for some of my colleagues are four letter words, but for us, um, it's, it's kind of the future. So we don't mm-hmm. want to just encourage it. We want to be encouraging it. We want to do everything we possibly can to make it easy for them to be adopted. Right. Um, electric vehicles, I, you know, you know, it's not a question of when these electric vehicles are coming. It's a question of how quickly they're getting here. And I'd suggest they'd be here a lot faster if we could solve this, this chip issue. But still, the point is they're coming. Yeah. And our customers are going to be embracing them. So, so yeah, I think, you know, the, the customer has a, a, has a very keen role to play in, um, in the sustainability and of our operations. Um, and, you know, and the goal obviously is to get to some place where you're, you're having these day-to-day transactive um, transactions with your customers where, where they're earning for the store, the, the power they're storing or, mm-hmm. You know, they're selling it to their neighbor as opposed to us bringing it all the way down from sort of Darlington kind of thing, right? I mean, there's the the future is so incredibly bright in this space and, and so incredibly fruitful that it, there's just lots of opportunity and, and customers are a part of that and will be an integral part of that uh, evolution to the point, like I said, where, you know, your electric car is going to be used to power your your house, at home, but when you're not using it, maybe it's being used, maybe we're selling your, you're selling your power to your neighbor or or whatnot. And as a utility, we want to be there to help support that, those sustainability initiatives. Yeah. And so all of the complex, it's going to be a lot more complicated and complex, but it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And all of this is, is taking place against the backdrop of uh, greater, greater societal expectations with respect to GHG reductions. We've got governments making aspirational, uh, establishing aspirational targets for GHG reductions in the, you know, 2030 and uh, net zero 2050 and net zero grid by 2035. What's Hydro Ottawa's plan uh, in in this space? Have you established targets with respect to GHG reductions? Do you have a Do you have a net zero future for the company? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, let me just take a step back because I think what you just said is incredibly um, prescient, right? Like, 
you know, Hydro Ottawa, again, 10 years in the job, um, mm. last five years, four years. Uh, so 20, 2016, we had a one in a hundred year flood. Uh, 2018, we had what six tornadoes touch down in, in yep. Ottawa, including yep. one in downtown Nepean, which is like, yeah, you know, just, it's, it just shouldn't happen. Um, you know, we've had, we've had wind storms, we've had ice storms, we had a one in 1000 year flood in 2019. So, I mean, just statistically speaking, we need to start adjusting these models because, you know, the one in 100, the one in 1000 is not working anymore. Not when they happen but two years apart. Yeah. Yeah, and we we exactly. The next step for me was to pick up a lottery ticket, but <laughs> we've seen firsthand the the you know the the climate changing and and the mm. you know the the frequency of these extreme weather events, which um, you know if you're talking if you're running a utility is terrifying, right? Mm -hmm. So so for us it was. Um, it's real and it should be real for everybody. And so when, you know, as I told my board a few weeks ago, um, was it COP 25 or COP 26? I lose COP, track. COP 26 this year. Yeah. COP 26. So I so said, there's going to be a lot of, you know, vague commitments and sort of high level goals and public pronouncements coming from that thing. And, and that's, that's simply going to be from the Canadian delegation, right? There's, and, and every delegation has got their, their own commitments to make and has made. But what I do know is that as a company, um, this is real for us and we need to start to lead by example, just as we have on the sustainability side. So, so, um, you know, I give full credit to my board. Um, they embrace the concept. Uh, they're actually excited about it. So we have, uh, we made a commitment that the board has endorsed to be uh, net zero in operations, net zero in our operations by 2030. So again, not 2040, not 2050, but eight years from now. And when I did the, uh, when I was talking to the board and getting them sort of ginned up and ready to go on this, I actually put up, and everybody can YouTube it. Everyone who has access to YouTube can go see it. But if you go back to 1961, when JFK stood before the Congress, mm -hmm. the Joint National Congress, and announced the moonshot, yeah, a fantastic speech. It's a minute and a half, and the, the clip that's relevant is about a minute and a half long. But in that minute and a half, when he says that they will go to the moon by the end of the end of the decade, he literally says, "I have no idea how we're going to get there. Mm -hmm. I, we do not have a spacecraft that's capable. We don't have the fuel that's capable of getting us there. We don't have the technology that's capable of getting us there. But we will get there." And I told the board that this is our space shot. You know, we don't have electric bucket trucks. They don't exist. Mm -hmm. But I'm pretty sure they will between now and 2030. Mm. Um, if you think about just the transformation in your own life over the past 12 years, the iPhone's 12 years old. Yeah. It has 40,000 times more computing capacity than the Apollo 11 rocket that landed mm -hmm. man on the moon. So I'm pretty sure in the span of eight years, we're going to get we're going to be able to get there. And it just, from our perspective at Hydro Ottawa, it just means that we seize the day and, and we, we're going to do what we need to do to get there. And, and, uh, and I can tell you, you know, I think the official press release will go out uh, mid-December. I think we're going to make the announcement, and, you know, cascade it out with the various products and different speeches and stuff like that. But hmm. the mere prospect that, some of the staff have heard about this and they've heard rumors and rumblings about us making this announcement. 
is already driving. It, it, it's making them excited. Like <laughs> I, I get stopped in the hallway on a daily basis. To be, you know, hey Bryce, is it true? Are we doing this kind of thing? And I'm, yeah, we're gonna go there. We're gonna we're gonna lay down the big, hairy, audacious goal, and we're gonna achieve it because that's what we do. <laughs> and you know, the other point that makes Francis is what I think has changed this time around, and what sort of changed for me is is it's not. Um, it's not government leading these things anymore. Right. Uh, it's not about the prime minister saying nice things on the stage in Glasgow. It's about, um, it's about the money. <laughs> the markets are going there, right? If you look at Blackstone, which is the largest, you know, one of the largest public money, you know, money managers in the world. And you got mm-hmm. sportsmen saying they will not be funding, um, you know, any, any, any projects that use fossil fuel. I mean, that's the money is moving where it needs to be. You look at the largest government owned pension fund in the world, the Norwegian pension fund, which is hilariously funded by Norwegian offshore oil, right? endowed by Norwegian offshore oil. But they have said that they will no longer fund projects that are attached that that, that use fossil fuels. So to me, when the money in, in, when you start to get that kind of alignment where the money in private sector is moving, that's when you unlock the ingenuity of, 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 of the model. That's when you start to get that kind of innovation that we're going to need to get us across the finish line here. So when I say I'm excited, I'm extreme. I'm, I'm very excited. I'm very bullish on this. I think, I think, uh, as I said, you know, to quote JFK, I don't have a clue how we're going to get there other than <laughs> some basic early steps, but, um, you know, I'm I'm 100% convinced that the private sector and the innovation that it will generate will uh, will help us get there. So, and our goal is to be the first one, the first municipally owned utility in Canada to uh, to be net zero. And I think we're 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 in good company. Mm-hmm. Well, and you want to talk about exciting your employees? There you go. That's one way to get it done. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Bryce. One of the things that uh, I ask folks that come on the podcast is is to give us a book recommendation, either a book that you're reading or a book that you've read that you would recommend to the, to the listener. So for you, what would that book recommendation be? Um, what, I actually have two, so I'm going to break my rules, but um, one is um, Hillbilly Elegy. Oh yeah. Uh, and I'm I'm forgetting the, the guy who wrote it, but John John Vance Vance, mm-hmm. Vance. I mean, notwithstanding the, if you if you if you're like me and you're a, you're you're a, you have a passion for sort of politics, particularly U.S. politics, and you for the life of you cannot understand sort of the rise of tribalism and Donald Trump and and what's gone on down south of the border. Um, this book sums. This book tells you the story of, of how that how that came to be, and it's uh, it's pretty alarming. And uh, um, anyway, it's a great read. And the other book that I, I just finished reading two weeks ago is um, uh, Mark Carney's new book Values, which um, yep, a lot about what we just talked about is 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 in that book. And um, you know, Mark Carney does a, a pretty amazing job of pulling all the threads together in a in a semi-intelligent way uh, that um, that's you know, easily accessible by the reader. And 
you know, you don't get lost in, I mean, he's got some economic theory in there and it's fascinating, but you don't get lost in the economic theory as much as you do in the stories and the outcomes. So mm-hmm. when, you, when you hear Mark Carney sort of tell stories about how, he, you know, putting Greta Thunberg on, on the same stage as, you know, some of these other, you know, leaders in the world, you, you start to realize just how much, how much power, how much power is out there for these, you know, that she has and, and how much, how real this, um, this initiative, this, this goal to, to, to be, uh, to be net zero actually is. Great. Hey, two terrific additions to our, uh, to our, our flux capacitor book club. So Hillbilly Elegy and, and Mark Carney's book values. Yeah. Great. Bryce, thank you very much to, for taking the time to join the podcast. A fascinating conversation. I really enjoyed it. Happy. Anytime. Enjoy the uh, holidays, friends. Thanks for joining me for this episode of The Flux Capacitor. Tune in for future discussions, including more podcasts in the Net Zero 2050 series. And as always, let's continue the electricity conversation on our Facebook page, on Twitter, and at electricity.ca. (laughs) 